0: This is the Master Marketer Show, powered by Proofpoint Marketing. Each week, we explore the mindsets, skill sets, and tool sets the top B2B marketers use to drive results. Gain actionable insights, one masterful, revenue-generating success story at a time.
1: Let's get started.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Master Marketer Show. Today is going to be a fun conversation. I've got Sam Gupta here, and it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, Sam is not a marketer by trade, uh, yet he is probably one of the most prolific content creators I have seen in the B2B space. So we're going to talk a lot about the how and the why and all of that fun stuff. So Sam is the principal consultant of Elevate IQ, uh, a ERP consulting firm.
1: Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much uh, for having me, Mike. Super excited about this show. Yeah, and I'm, I'm super pumped because
0: not only are you not technically a marketer per se, although I would say you're doing more than a lot of marketers do, and we'll get into that, but also because you are in the, what I call the technical professional services space where building personal relationships is so, so, so critical, yet it's an industry where most people don't do what you do, which is create, again, what I'll call personal brand content, create video content, things like that. So we're going to talk about all these things uh, and the results that you've seen in the business. Where I'd love to start is, again, You're not a marketer per se, right? You come from a sales background, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Talk to me about how did you, why and how did you decide to invest in the content creation side of things? I mean, obviously you're doing LinkedIn, you're doing some TikTok I've seen. How did you get into that and why did you decide to make that investment?
1: Yeah, so let's go back like two three years back and as you correctly mentioned that i am not a marketer i don't want to be recognized as a marketer because people who have been doing this for 20 years people like you obviously you know you have far more experience um, than what i am able to do Um, so i had a lot of background in the technology in sales Um, so i knew b2b sales very 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 deeply i knew Uh, About market, okay, Uh, and you know, we were able to build this business just because of my personal reputation, credibility, whatever you want to call, Uh, we were able to get a ton of business that we had no problem whatsoever, as you correctly pointed out with any B2B consulting businesses, that's how they start, you uh, get into Infor ecosystem, you get into uh, Apico ecosystem, you get into your SAP ecosystem, leads are going to come by, you are going to have easy life. Uh, Right. But in our case, it was different. Okay. So number one, we are more of the independent consulting firm. So we are not supposed to have any sort of vendor affiliation. So obviously these guys are not actually bringing us leads. We are uh, getting them leads. So it's different uh, business model all uh, together. Now we were getting a lot of business pre-COVID, COVID hits. Okay whatever was working from the outbound perspective, and we used to generate a lot of um, business from the referral perspective from outbound, our existing contracts were getting canceled, okay? So we had hit almost like rock bottom during COVID. And then number one, we had time, okay? Before that, you know how ERP deals are. You are dealing with 50 people uh, in one deal and you just don't have time and the attention that your content and the marketing effort is going to require. So we never sort of had that mindset. And that is what you talk about in your first segment, uh, you know, to be able to create the content. So when COVID hit, now we had no choice whatsoever. We were almost in the survival mode. Okay, what do we do? Okay, so we had to figure out something different. Then I started researching a lot. Okay, what are brands doing that are really ahead in the industry? And you can point out based on their branding, based on their logos, uh, you know, that they were doing something differently. So we started doing a lot of keyword research uh, in terms of finding out, okay, what is going on in the market? Why are these brands ahead of the game than what we are doing? Do you remember who,
0: who you looked at for inspiration specifically?
1: A lot of them, to be honest. OK, so I don't know whether you are familiar with uh, these guys, and I'm talking about only sort of the either the independent consulting firms or the VARs. OK, so in VAR space, VAR, I don't know whether you are familiar with that term. It's called Value Added Reseller. These are going to be really the distributor of the OEMs. So OEMs, if you look in the ERP uh, space, you talk about SAP and for Epicor. They are probably going to be really good at marketing and typically What the value-added resellers do is they are simply going to be latching on to the branding of, okay, I am SAP, okay, I am representing SAP. They don't sort of have their own brand or identity that Mm -hmm. they are trying to represent, right? So in our case, we looked at some of the brands that were doing differently. For example, uh, Vision 33. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, They are one of the biggest in the SAP space. They were really good at marketing, okay? There were other bigger companies. They were not as good at marketing. They got business because... Uh, they just were there for the last forty years, okay? Uh, but these guys were kind of new. They did something different. Uh, their market segment was different, so that was one. Uh, Big Bang ERP in the Salesforce ecosystem, okay? They were doing a lot of cool stuff from the marketing perspective. Uh, what else? Uh, the podcast. In the ERP community, how many companies are doing podcast? Okay, so right now, if you talk about top five, um, you are probably going to have third stage consulting, and that is run by Eric Kimberling. Obviously they are our competitors. Uh, and then you have uh, ERP advisors group, uh, you know, so most of the independent consulting firms, they tend to be slightly better at marketing in general. Okay, so we looked at everyone and wanted to sort of uh, create our own path in terms of what we really want to do uh, from the marketing perspective. And once we started doing, now our complete business model has changed the way we like to think about our customers the way we approach our deals. So everything has changed. Now, if you want to go deeper into how we started, you know, this is sort of a leap that, okay, we sort of started doing something and then now we have the whole strategy. So if you want to get into that, I'm more than happy to provide some more details there.
0: Yeah, I think we're I think we'll get there naturally too. I mean a couple of things that uh, I wanna point out that I love that you mentioned that I think a lot of marketers miss. One of the core things you just said is like, hey, you know what? These other companies, they were, you know, they're not really great at marketing, but they've been around for 40 years. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting. You see a lot of people, the first thing they do is they go look at competitors and try to go and try to copy what they did, which is sometimes okay. Like, because again, you can look at the people that are doing a good job. But here's the thing there are other people that they're huge, but the way they got there, they yep. got there in a different time in a different period. Yep. You can't get there the same way anymore. And I think that's a really critical thing that you brought up is, you know what? Yeah, the, these companies, they are now just operating very heavily on just reputation, and that's how they got built up. And that's all they do. Like, they don't need to necessarily right. They're not. They're maybe not in growth stage anymore. They're maybe only trying to grow five, maybe ten percent a year. They're not trying to double, triple, etc. They don't need to do more than that. Um, and then, yeah, I think one of the, what I'm curious about, once you looked at that and this mindset of, all right, we've got the time, We like, you know, when you're under the gun, to a certain extent, like you yep. generally are willing to take bigger risks, if you will, right? Yep. Um, which is a, you know, it's an interesting mindset there. But once you kind of did this assessment of the ecosystem, if you will, uh, what did you do from there?
1: Well, so let's touch on your first point first that you mentioned that you know what the companies that have been there in the market and when people try to sort of uh, find out their own strategy, they are simply going to copy. So one of the things that we did differently in this and that sort of tie in in with the the next question as well. Um, So basically how we like to think is, okay, if their marketing is going to be the channel. That is giving them the most leads. Let's say if they are at $40 million, $80 million in revenue, right? So I am going to draw a linear graph that is going to have, okay, $80 million in revenue. What is their Google traffic? $4 million in revenue. What is their Google traffic? $10 million in revenue. What is their Google traffic? And you are going to be shocked in analyzing that because sometimes the $4 million company is probably going to have far more google traffic so when you are trying to create your strategy now if you're going to be comparing yourself uh with these traditional players and uh, we never compared us with them because that is very relationship driven they have been doing this business with them for last 80 years there's no way in the hell they are going to trust me now (laughs) Uh, right because you know they have partnered on on the same deal in the erp space it's all about trust okay it's 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 big political game overall in these deals. So it becomes very hard. And you need to have credibility. And typically, credibility is going to be based on your past results. Uh, For the newer companies, you don't sort of have that credibility. Sure, you are going to have a little bit of credibility based on your personal uh, effort. But they are also looking for, okay, what has your company done? So in our case, we were when we were analyzing, we were looking at, okay, which are the companies that are really bringing that marketing traffic? And what are they doing differently? And can we do something there because the other thing we just cannot beat that is not in our power so then what we started doing okay so when we found out okay uh we sort of need to create some sort of content obviously content is where the play is in general so when we started creating content the easiest thing in my mind always okay so i like to think with the least amount of effort and least amount of investment what can we do to position ourselves okay so in our case we started writing blog and honestly speaking i swear to god uh, my i had personally never written a single blog in my entire life okay so i was like okay i was equally conscious as any other subject matter expert okay when you're writing an email that's a different deal then you are writing something publicly because you need to have an opinion okay <laughs> you can't simply just randomly write um, so we started writing something okay the only thing we were doing In our sales approach, we were always objective. Okay, we were not very salesy. So our sales approach always worked with that mindset. But we had no idea if whatever we were doing from the sales perspective, if we put into the written format, okay, that becomes powerful. That's going to provide us so much trust and credibility in the market that irrespective of how much we are going to pitch from the sales perspective, it's never going to have the same results. So when we started writing blog, and then we have these very highly ranked CIOs, and they are approaching me on social media. Okay, who are you? First of all, because obviously they didn't know me. And you know, and they are like, okay, I'm actually liking your content. I've never seen something like this before. And that sort of provides you the confidence, and that's where we got the confidence that no, I mean we know something that we have never positioned. It publicly, uh, obviously, we were very good. That's why we were winning in in sales. But we had no idea that if we put the same thing, whatever we were talking in our sales pitches, uh, in a written format, that's going to be so powerful. So then that gave us the confidence. And then we started, uh, you know, then I started following Neil Patel from the marketing perspective. Obviously, I learned a ton from him. Uh, he's really, really good at whatever he does, right? Um, so then, you know, started following him, bunch of other uh, marketing influencers. I started watching them in terms of what they were doing and sort of trying to create our own path. Then we did some more analysis of different influencers. I connected with every single LinkedIn influencer out there, uh, trying to sort of build a relationship with them in terms of what is going to work on social media, how each of the channels differ. Then one of the things that we noticed is podcast was becoming really big. Okay, so the content was great, but then, you know, podcast was really big at that time. Uh, and one of the things that we had noticed is a lot of our competitors were really ahead on YouTube. But they were sort of trying to catch up on the podcast game. So we kind of had an opportunity uh, to be ahead. So we went nuts uh, on podcasts. And right now we have, what, 400 episodes? Uh, so nobody has kind of produced the, the number of episodes that we were producing. And one of the things while we were doing the research, we found out that, in the podcast, it's always going to be a volume game, okay? The more episodes that you are going to push, uh, you know, the, the, the higher downloads you are going to have uh, in general. So we produced a, a ton of content. So I don't know if that gives a, a little path there, uh, you it know, It definitely in does. Terms I mean, I've got <laughs>
0: half a page of notes right now, directions <laughs> that we can take this. Uh, a couple of things um, I want to call out that you just mentioned uh, is... Trust and past results, right? Yep. So you, especially as a service provider, you gotta, you, you need to create that content to, to, to build that. Um, yep. And what I love that you did is that, uh, again, and, I, and I'll take a step back. The mindset that you have of okay, what's my path of least resistance? How can I quickly do something that can mm-hmm. that I can pilot, get something out there and see if it works. And not only that. You went and you said, like most people will repurpose marketing material for sales enablement. You went the other way around. You took your sales content, if you will, and repurposed yep. it into marketing. You went backwards, right? And you said, okay, well, if, this, if these conversations are, work so well, once we have somebody talking to us, why don't we try putting those out there and see if we can get scale, right? But so I, I love that. That's a, that's a really interesting mindset to have of you know you can upscale downscale you can go either way uh, with the content then the other thing is uh, you looked at positive qualitative signals right it wasn't uh, okay hey we got deals per se or maybe you did at some point but you started you said hey we started posting blogs in a much different way than anybody else out there and all of a sudden i've got cios reaching out to me like hey i like your stuff Right? They might not be doing business with you yet, but yeah. you know that you're reaching the right audience. And then you took it to the next level and said, okay, well, if it's working here, I can actually have conversations with people and I can do a podcast. Um, the direction I, I want to go here is, uh, and ask you a question, you, it, you very quickly, like you said, realize that its volume is important. And yeah. I would say... Where I think a lot of marketing teams struggle, especially small marketing actually, I would say, especially larger marketing teams, not yeah. small marketing teams, is that volume game. Everybody, they, the larger teams, they want to make it perfect. They want to make it on brand. They want to do this, that, and the other. Yep. And it's like, you, know, you got to get it through legal. You got to get it through compliance, blah, 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 blah. By the time everything is said and done, it takes you, you know, two months to get a podcast out there. You guys didn't have that. Now, obviously, you have the luxury because it's your company to a certain extent you have a small team you can move quicker yeah, yeah. but you realized hey you know what we just got to get more out there it's yes quality is important and we have, a, have, to have yeah. a different point of view but we need to get volume so how did you uh, what was the mindset i guess to be able to create that volume engine
1: so that's a very interesting question, and I can provide some more details there. And you are absolutely right that when you are a big company, obviously they are going to have a lot more challenges, and it's not probably fair to compare a smaller company like us um, than a much larger company because obviously they have to comply with that. But if you compare us with the other smaller companies, okay, even they are not able to move as fast. And the reason why they are not able to move as fast is, as you correctly pointed out, that they are trying to be perfectionists. In our case, I had a very sales mindset always, even for the marketing. For me, results are extremely, extremely important. Okay. If I don't see results, I get depressed. That's how I am wired to think. Okay. So in my case, what I had to do is I had to take a lot of shortcuts in producing that volume. So when I said that, you know what, my podcast requires volume. You also mentioned the other layer that, you know, a lot of people are trying to repurpose. They are trying to promote to every single channel, um, you know, possible. When you do that, obviously you have to sacrifice on volume and then you are probably going to produce one episode per week. In our case, we had to make compromises and the sacrifices. So in our case, when we were uh, pushing the content, by the way, when we say we, we made the sacrifices and compromises, we don't make any compromises in branding, we are stickler. In terms of branding, okay, our image is very, very, very important. So we don't make any sort of concessions there that, okay, I am going to put something that is not uh, going to be decent, right? So, So we go through all that process, but we are going to reduce the number of channels. For example, in our case, we made a very strategic move in not producing the same content on our blog. So, for example, let's say if you go to our podcast, uh, you know, I don't have my transcript or the episodes published on our website at this point of time. Okay. And that's a very deliberate decision that we had made because we wanted to really rule the podcast game. And at this point of time, also, we don't know how the podcast game is going to play out, to be honest, because if you look at the discoverability of the podcast, we don't have that. The way YouTube, went in a lot of ways, to be honest, we sort of lost the game because we should have put a lot more effort on YouTube, uh, you know. So we sort of realized that and we pivoted our strategy a little bit there as well, that, you know, how we should be approaching the market. So we put a lot more money in in, in our podcast. Uh, we didn't do much on YouTube. We were recording videos, but we were never publishing on uh, YouTube. Uh, and the reason for that is because video takes time, longer, you require far more resources, you know. So So we had to... Uh, when we were thinking about volume and by the way, each channel is is different. Volume is good for certain channels, not for every single channels. For example, let's say if you talk about LinkedIn. Okay. If you are going to produce volume, okay, it's not going to work. Okay. So when we talk about volume, it's only the podcast for which the volume mattered, not for the other channels. So we were re- we were developing really, really uh, deep understanding of each of the channels and we were trying to rule. Okay. My channel is podcast because that's how I am going to get my name out there. Um, You know, I was recruiting like super powerful guests, um, and that's also the reason why my Name or the podcast became so big. To be honest, okay, uh, because I was able to recruit all these influencers from the accounting community, digital transformation, ERP, and they liked, uh, you know, talking to us. Just because we were being objective, neutral, uh, product agnostic, uh, educational. Um, that's what. And by the way, we were also able to bring our competitors uh, to the fold that none of our competitors did. So we sort of created a comfortable environment for everybody that this became more of the educational platform, and even today, I mean, it's a very educational uh, platform um, that we have. So I guess, you know, from our perspective, when we think of the volume, we are always thinking about, okay, which is the channel that is going to be the biggest in terms of volume, and can we hit that or not, is what we are thinking. We are not attacking the volume on on every single channel, and I don't know if that answers your question.
0: It does. No, I think it's it's a really... um critical thing that you point out in terms of you you focus on a particular channel, so you're creating the content for that channel in the way that that channel is best optimized, right? And you said, you know what, F- right or wrong at this point, but you decided to sacrifice, you know what, we want to get, I don't, know, uh, I, I don't remember, is your podcast uh, daily
1: or? So we are still publishing like four a week, okay? I mean, Six a week. Mm-hmm. So you're almost you
0: were almost daily, right? Maybe yep. you took Sundays off, right? Um, <laughs> so uh, the point is, is you, you made that decision. That, you know, to be able to do that, you're not going to be able to with, without a bunch more resources. We're not going to be able to create a bunch of videos, so we're going to forego putting our videos on YouTube and making that a channel. We're just going to focus on just the audio piece, right? And I think that's a I love that. That's a very strategic decision. A lot of people, though, they, we're great at adding. We're really bad at subtracting, yep, right? And that's yep. sort of like uh, less is more type thing in the sense of yep. we can do more in terms of volume in podcasting by not focusing on video, right? And that allowed your podcast to become what it is right now, right? So I think that's a really critical piece. Um, which I think that also brings us maybe into an interesting uh, transition to skill set. If someone is going to be in your shoes, right, a similar, say, similar type of situation, doesn't have to be in the ERP space, but um, what skill sets do you think are critical? Let me ask you a different way. What skill sets were critical for you to be able to do this, and how much of that did you do yourself versus you know outsource or bring in partners and things like that?
1: Yeah, so I am going to have a, a very interesting layer there, and obviously it's been a great learning for me as well because you know when you uh, don't know something and then you have to try for the first time, uh, it, it's 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 tricky and difficult, right? Uh, You have to invest a lot of time in training. And why are you doing that? Because you can probably outsource that, right? Um, So one of the things that I like to always think the way I personally operate, okay? I need to do enough research so that I am able to work with people. I am able to talk their language. I am able to make them comfortable when they are working with me. If I am going to be a subject matter expert, And if I don't understand how they think, they are going to create something that I probably don't want. So I put a lot of time in enhancing my own skill sets, but not to do everything myself to be able to delegate. Okay. so I am very picky in terms of who I work with in general but i need to know enough about the trade before i can disqualify anybody otherwise it's probably going to be not fair with them right so when i look for the skill set for example uh, i told you in the pre-show about our branding person and she's really really good at design and the branding and that's why we have the newer branding if you look at it it's just phenomenal it's outstanding right now i mean some of the bigger brands are probably not gonna have that uh, it, it's only because i am giving her freedom that you are my design director. Do whatever you have to. Okay. You are the boss. I am here to provide the inputs. Now you take it to the next level, however you want. And unless I am able to create that freedom for her, um, obviously she'll not be able to deliver it to her. But she's probably going to be conscious. She's probably trying to please me. Uh, and that's not probably going to <laughs> help everybody. So in terms of the skill set, the way I like to think I still like to learn every single trade out there so that I am able to work with people. I am uh, able to provide enough details so that they can understand what I am thinking from the strategy perspective. And you're not going to believe this. I was talking to, uh, you know, my uh, podcast um, co-host. Uh, And uh, I was telling him, he's like, okay, I don't have enough patience uh, to provide these uh, mock-ups and I'm simply going to tell them that, okay, this is what I'm looking for. Just go and create something and then they are going to come back and they are going to create something and I'm not going to like it. So I will do it myself. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works, okay? So in my case, what I do is I literally create every single marketing material by myself As in okay this is the piece of blog that i'm thinking this is the um sort of the design that i'm thinking and the purpose of that is not really to uh either create a polished material or 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 whatever it is really to brainstorm that this is what i'm thinking but do not even pay attention to this okay this is my idea now do whatever you have to whatever you can do to improve and they are going to change it completely obviously because now they know what i'm thinking i am going to provide the rationale for every single decision that i made why i'm doing but i'm probably not getting into the nuts and bolts of everything i mean it's really a draft very quick draft because obviously i'm going to be super limited on time as well but i put a lot of effort in providing enough details so that i am dumping my brain uh, so that they can understand what i am looking for i don't know if that answers your question it does yeah and there's there's a couple of threads i want
0: to pull on Uh, one of the things, again, this kind of gets us back into mindset, but I think it's really important to mention, which is if you're going to bring on a creative director, like you, like you have, you got to give them that flexibility, right? You got to let them do the thing that you brought them on to do. (laughs) Like I, you know, I, I consistently tell my team, like, Hey, I, I work for you. Like you tell me what you need so (laughs) that you can do your, the job that I hired you to do. Like it's not, it's sort of, you got to flip that on its head. Right. Um, I'm curious, when, like, let's take the podcast as an example. When you decided to start that, did you record a certain number of episodes on your own before you brought on a, like, a podcast producer kind of thing? Or
1: how did, maybe talk through that a little bit. So in my case, I always like to go through experience so that I am informed enough to be able to hire somebody. So I always like to do whatever I'm doing. Respective of the activity, okay, I need to understand it at a deep level so that I can create a framework for somebody whom I am hiring. Now, they can tell me a better frame, framework, but if I just don't know anything, then it's probably not going to be fair with them. So I go through the process, uh, you know, so, so I went through the process myself, I learned, okay, what are the things that are important in, in a podcast? If I didn't do this research and somebody's going to tell me that, you know what, the noise levels are going to be important for a podcast. And I'm like, okay, what the hell is that? Who cares for it? <laughs> okay. But then once you actually get into the mechanics of these things, why the sound quality is going to be really important for the podcast, then you will realize that no, 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 no. These guys, you know, that this matters <laughs> because, you know, if the sound quality is not going to be good. Nobody's, you know, they're not going to be comfortable listening to it. So what's the point? Uh, So that's why, you know, so when I started doing all of this, I was producing everything myself. I wanted to try the tools um, that were there, you know, just to get a feel of what it is. And then, okay, if I'm hiring somebody, okay, what is the skill set do I need? Okay, am I looking for somebody who can really edit my podcast or who can produce my podcast? Because those are probably going to be very different skill sets. Right. So, so, so I typically like to go through the experience myself, irrespective of whether I am creating some sort of written content, video content. In some cases now I am getting busier, so I may not have as much time. But since I have followed that process from the beginning, so I sort of know the basics and that is always going to have a little transferable skill. When you have produced, let's say audio, then you sort of know what is going to be critical for the video as well. Um, And obviously you learn through the process as well. So that helped me in sort of working with people um, and understanding what they really care for.
0: Yeah, I mean, what you're describing is uh, the, uh, almost like the opposite of the situations where people struggle with agencies, for example, right? Like they, exactly. It's somebody who doesn't, they don't know the channel, they don't know the, the details, and then they're like, oh, okay, well, I know I need to do it because I saw somebody else is doing it. Let me just bring out an agency to do it. And then you just get into all sorts of stuff. Like you'd maybe disagree with them. Maybe they, because you didn't do the research first, they ended up testing something that, had you tested it in your industry, you would have known doesn't work already. You know, all these types of things. And it just creates all this unnecessary tension with a service provider. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, from a. Again, uh, so if we go back to skill sets, um, what, were the, what were the things that you felt you needed to level up on? So when you, you said, hey, you know what? I wanted to get in there and I wanted to learn these things. Speci- like in the beginning, when you jumped in, what, what did you, uh, let me ask this question a different way. What did you think you needed to learn? And then after you went through that,
1: what, did the, what were the things that actually ended up being important? Well, honestly speaking, you know, pretty much everything because as you pointed out in the beginning that I don't come from the traditional marketing background, I had no idea what these keywords are, why they matter, uh, why you should be paying attention to them, uh, why, you know, how to write uh, for something that is going to please Google, that is going to please uh, people, how to produce a podcast that is probably going to be compelling enough for people to be able to listen, right? These are decisions that you have to make. So I had to literally level up on pretty much everything. Uh, And honestly speaking, I was always trying to find people who can help me along the process. And sometimes you find, sometimes you don't, depending upon some people are really good. And then, you know, I never sort of want to file divorce with them because I know how good they are. Um, So in our case, I would say the reason why our content works better than some of our competitors when I look at them, the kind of mistakes they are doing, and I think that's a question that you are trying to ask. Um, So in our case, one of the things that we really pay attention to, like super deep attention, number one, understanding of your target market. Okay, most people struggle with that. In our case, okay, I am also uh very connected to the ground meaning uh i am always working very closely with my team uh, when they are going through the delivery challenges or when i am working with my sales team i and, and you'll be shocked that i still make a lot of cold calls myself uh, okay and the reason for that is not because i don't have people who can make cold calls but you know that's where i get my content ideas okay that's where i get the marketing strategy the deep understanding of the market and you are never going to have that understanding if you are going to be a marketer sitting somewhere in the corner, you are guessing, okay? Unless you go through the deal, unless you talk to somebody who is going through the deal on a daily basis and you are really able to poke them deeply and they are able to provide the depth that really matters for that deal, okay? That's where the marketing insight comes from. So in our case, I think what was really important is connecting that the deep sales intel to the keywords that we are trying to target. So when we are sort of creating and crafting the strategy for our content, we are literally going after every single conversation that I had yesterday. Um, so yeah, so a lot of things, I guess, you know, in terms of leveling up, uh, but the most critical in my mind is always going to be okay what google cares for at the end of the day that's what matters <laughs> you know other people other things are great but google is where in my mind the marketing play is uh, if you can create something for google uh, you know the you are, you'll get the results so i'm i'm curious about that
0: specifically i mean you're, you're obviously a lot of your content is focused on that uh, but you're also putting out again you're putting out content on linkedin You're putting out content on TikTok, obviously. Uh, Those are, I mean, TikTok's a search engine in its own right. You know, so is YouTube. So um, how much of your effort is around, uh, I guess, organic, traditional, more traditional organic search versus these
1: other platforms where uh, people just are, right? So in my case, and I think that is probably going to answer one of the earlier questions that you had in terms of how do you measure So in our case, we are always trying to connect the dots. How are we going to drive the traffic? Yes, you will see me on LinkedIn all the time. And I had my own sort of, uh, you know, reservations, whether I should be investing this much time on social media. I still wonder at times that, okay, I can make cold call or I can post, uh, you know, what do I do? (laughs) Okay, so LinkedIn is very important, right? Because, you know, what it does is for us, you know, we are always trying to trace back, what it is doing with the deal. Okay. So in our case, we are always trying to repurpose the content. When we are on TikTok, we are not creating content just for TikTok, to be honest. I mean, on my TikTok, if you look at it, I get like 20 views. Okay. Now you are going to challenge me. Why the hell are you producing TikTok? Yeah, For me, that's a recording platform. Okay. So I record on it and then I take out the video and then post it on LinkedIn and then I post it on YouTube short. So, you know, you are still repurposing one of the channels out of these three should perform for me. That's my ROI for an hour that I am investing in whatever um, I need to come up with the content. Uh, but obviously you need to keep all of the channels in mind on LinkedIn. You have to have the long form, uh, you know, on short, you have to have it under a minute. So we are doing all of that. But our goal always is what is it doing for our content? So either it is going to be enhancing our outreach. So when we have our scheduled content on LinkedIn, okay, that requires audience. If you don't have the engagement on LinkedIn, it's just going to sit there. So how do you get audience? So you need to have that personal engagement. So that's the reason why we are doing it on LinkedIn. Now, TikTok, it's, you know, buy one, get one offer, I guess. You know, I, I (laughs) I don't know why I'm doing TikTok. TikTok for me is the easiest recording platform that I could find, uh, you know, if I do the same thing on OBS or video, it just takes forever. Uh, It's easy. It provides me a way of sort of uh, uh, producing the headline, uh, you know, does not take a lot of time. Um, Yeah. So, so the way we like to think is, okay, how are we sort of bringing back that traffic either to the deal or to the traffic that is actually coming as a lead uh, to, to us? So talk about that a little bit more in terms of how are you actually, Measuring that impact on deal flow and pipeline. So we measure in terms of the number of opportunities funneled per week. Okay. And we try to trace back the source. What is the source? Is it word of mouth? Where is it coming from? Okay. Word of mouth is coming from your LinkedIn. (laughs) Your, uh, you know, TikTok that you are doing because you are connected and community that you have created. Now, you know a lot more people and they sort of know when they are thinking ERP, ERP is I know it uh because daily i'm seeing uh, on linkedin on a daily basis okay so so the way we measure our success is going to be in terms of the number of leads and and opportunities so let's do a little uh you know as is and to be before and after um so pre covid when we were doing outbound i would say we were sending roughly 20000 30000 emails okay uh, and we were doing like 500 to 1000 calls uh i would say um per week. uh, That would be the, and in terms of leads in ERP space, finding leads, it's a nightmare. Okay. So we were getting like a one or two qualified opportunity and they were sort of remotely qualified. We were being overly optimistic that something is going to happen with them. Okay. But now, okay. If you compare after right now, none of our outbound channels are performing. EBS, it's just shut down, man. It's, uh, you know, if you look at the spammability now in two years, everything changed. Okay. Uh, it's very, very, very hard to send those beasles and emails, but emails are not working at all and That was another problem that we had when we started doing our podcast and content that emails are not working, cold calls are not working. so what are we going to do now <laughs> um, so uh, you know for us right now, if you look at our uh, inbound traffic, we have far more uh you know inbound traffic per week and that we trace back either it is going to be word of mouth and word of mouth is all because of this dark social effect um, that we have created. And the second thing is going to be really the, the inbound effort um, and social media. And we are also able to track back our LinkedIn effort to our Google Analytics. So we have all of those channels mapped. So we can clearly see the number of uh, the amount of traffic that we get from our SEO. I would say social is the same. And that is the most shocking part. So sometimes I'm also wondering, OK, I'm spending so much time on LinkedIn, why? But if you look at, okay, if I'm doing paid, and by the way, we have Pride paid, okay? With paid, it was very hard to get even the conversion. Can you believe this? Okay, we spend like $5,000 a month and we are not getting any conversion. That's how competitive ERP space is. But if I compare the same thing with my SEO traffic, with my, uh, you know, um, social traffic, I can see clear correlation in terms of the results. Um, you know, it, it's that powerful. Yeah,
0: paid in, in the ERP space is... Uh is tough. I mean, you're paying, you know, 50, a hundred dollars a click kind of thing. And that's just not, that's not sustainable for
1: a lot of organizations. It's uh, not just the cost amount. it's also whether you are getting anything out of it. Okay? Right. You just don't get anything out of it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. shocking to me. I mean, I was always thinking yeah. there's a lot you of tire kickers they... <laughs> it's <laughs> it's that are searching.
0: Yep. For sure. Yeah. Um, awesome. You know, I'm, one of the things uh, I love that you mentioned, it's, you know what, I'm not on, I'm not even on TikTok because of the channel, I'm on TikTok because that's the easiest recording platform I could find. Right? Exactly. And, and again, I think that goes back to your kind of subtractive, if you will, look at, all right, I'm going to focus on specific channels, right? And I, I know I need to create video and I need it to be the least amount of effort, right? Exactly. So you tried a bunch of stuff and you're like, oh. Looks like TikTok's the easiest way, great. Like I'll post stuff on there, but what I really care about is how is this content can actually perform on YouTube Shorts and on yeah. uh, you know LinkedIn and wherever else you're posting it to. Exactly. Um I'm curious how do you I mean you, you know you, you mentioned you started with blogs, then you added in podcast, now you're you mentioned YouTube Shorts and things like that. Uh, maybe walk through your thought
1: process on when and how you decide to add a channel so we look at the performance and uh, you know as i pointed out that we are always looking at what is contributing to the traffic for example let's say if you look at youtube okay youtube we measure the number of subscribers are we getting number of subscribers are we increasing in terms of number of views um typically for channels i do watch my competitors what they are doing okay and if they are going to be on any specific channels Uh, then I am thinking, is my audience hanging out there, okay? If they are, for what reason? Uh, You know, for example, we have never tried Facebook. I never believed that, you know, Facebook is going to work for us because we are talking about, you know, $20 million, $30 million NAP CFOs. Uh, They don't have time for Facebook and and Instagram. They're very busy people uh, with their jobs, right? Um, So for us, the uh, channel, uh, where the audience is hanging out, even if they are going to be there for their kids. For example, TikTok. Okay, TikTok is very different because sometimes people are there for their kids. They're not for themselves. Um, So we analyze the audience. Okay, where is my audience hanging out? How easy it is going to be to create content on that platform and how channel is doing as of today. For example, let's say if you look at LinkedIn, YouTube, you have to kill yourself to perform on LinkedIn and YouTube at this point of time because you are literally getting like five views. Uh, If you started five years back, 10,000 views, free, no big deal, (laughs) right? Um, So sometimes we are also thinking, okay, so podcast is upcoming. Okay, can we do something for the podcast? Because that's probably going to become big. One of these days, I don't know when, uh, (laughs) you know, but you can't miss the bus. Because if you miss the bus, then your competitors, you know, they are going to get all the traffic. And you know how limited the traffic is when you look at the ERP industry. Uh, so, yeah, so when we are looking at the channels, we are always looking at, okay, is it relevant for our audience? How easy it is going to be? How much effort are we talking about? And is it really aligned to our strength? I cannot be an actor, okay? There's no way in the hell I, I can do that, okay? So I need, to be, uh, I need to have something that is going to be sort of the insightful and that is not. Um, so, and that's why we started on TikTok very late, to be honest, because we are not sure if this is really going to work. Uh, but then other people started doing, I started watching that some influencers were doing, and it was working okay. Then we added TikTok as well.
0: Nice, nice. What, um, the other thing that I want to go back to real quick that you were mentioning a couple of things. One is how you uh, focused on making I mean, really all your content to a certain extent, the podcast specifically a, you know, my words, not yours, quote unquote, safe space, right? For everybody, it's an educational environment where you've invited competitors, you mentioned, influencers, uh, the OEMs themselves, obviously, etc. Uh, talk about that a little bit, because I think that that's one thing that everyone's so focused on being the, the thought leader, right? And kind of focusing on them, you sort of flip that.
1: Uh, talk about that a little bit. So overall, I think you are talking about the community aspect that we have created, uh, right? um so when we look at the community and the way i like to think okay um, a lot of companies brands they are going to be very very transactional mindset Uh, when the way we think of marketing we think of this as very long-term collaborative educational effort uh, slightly more of the movement that we are trying to create and you cannot create that unless you are going to be sort of cooperating uh, you know with your competition Um, So that's what uh, we have done. And the way we like to approach this is going to be, okay, where are the people hanging out who are hanging out with our customers? So for example, the people who are going to be influencing the deals, uh, you know, for ERP, these are going to be for example, people like you, to be honest, okay? You are actually hanging out with my customers, and that's why I want to go after all the CRM companies. I want to go after all the supply chain companies because these are the people who are already in the account. And even if they provide me a basic intro, that's an opportunity for me. And by the way, that's going to have much higher closing rate. So when we were thinking about the community, we wanted to build a community around sort of the, the influencers for our customers. Uh, you know who have a little trust uh, that can that we can borrow from them um, you know in terms of the trust and credibility that we don't have um, you know technically five years old company how are you going to get the trust that other company that have been there in the market for like 40 years so yeah so we had to take the shortcut but i mean we are going after people who are already trusted in the account and we sort of created that community i don't know uh, does that answer your question yeah it, it definitely does i think the, the interesting thing you mentioned it's you know, really
0: thinking critically about who who the influencers are, like a lot of people will focus sort of you know we'll call it the first layer influencers, so sort of whatever you'll focus on uh, whatever the, the c i o of the you know big organization, let's just say or something like that, and yes, those are, but then what about you know others that are maybe a couple of tiers down if you will, but still have clout and still have influence in those accounts even if they're only tangentially related to what you do uh so again you, you mentioned uh you mentioned crms you mentioned uh you know again even marketing agencies to a certain extent potentially right yeah um so i think that that, that part uh, uh was interesting and then uh, the other thing that you mentioned earlier was being able to really keep a pulse on customer insights, which I think is really, really critical, Uh, where a lot, I mean, a lot of organizations just don't do it at all, but then the next step up from there is the organization that they, you know, they'll spend gobs of money on 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 a big customer research study once every three years, and then they don't touch it since, and it's that, what I think that you mentioned that's really, really critical is... You are using all your sales interactions and your podcast and yeah. all these other things to have a continuous stream of customer insights that you use to you know, test new messaging and test, figure out new channels and figure out uh, challenges and hesitancies that people have. All this kind of yeah. stuff that you can then answer through content. Um, and it's an ever-evolving thing. Where a lot of people just don't do that, um, and I, I find it interesting that you know I talk, you know, we talked to a lot of marketers, and a lot of marketers don't do that yet. You got you who you're not a traditionally trained marketer. And I wonder if that's part of the reason why you're doing all these things differently because you don't have any preconceived notions
1: when you walked into it. That could be as well. Uh, the other things that I, uh, two things I guess that works in our favor. Number one. Uh, obviously, I have very deep software development background, so I am going to be very data driven in general in my approach. Uh, the second thing is, we are also a professional services company. When I look at you know some of the manufacturers uh, or the traditional uh, you know companies, they, in my experience, they sort of struggle in working with people in working with. Uh, agencies just because they don't have that skill set. In our case, I mean, we are probably in the same shoes. So for us, it's probably going to be easy to work with the talent. Uh, And when you are creating top-class, you know, content marketing material, you know, these are one of the sharpest people in the world, okay? So (laughs) you really need to figure out how to work with them. Uh, You know, otherwise, it's just not going to work. I mean, they're probably going to give up that, okay, uh, whatever pleases you, I'm (laughs) going to deliver, right? Uh, so you are right. I mean, you know, in our case, the only reason why uh, it probably works for me, even though I'm not a traditional marketer is number one. Uh, I am very, 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 very data driven uh, in general in my approach and just because of my background, probably. Uh, but yeah, I am not the guy who will ever buy any sort of preconceived notion. You know, for me, I need to analyze critically why it makes sense for us, for our channel and, you know, that requires a little bit of scrutiny. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I, I would recommend to everyone that don't go with boilerplate because, you know, there are, like, millions and millions of blogs and podcasts out there. They are all doing boilerplate. Just, uh, you know, try to figure out, okay, what is so unique uh, about you and what is your strength and deliver according to that? Yeah. Um, and you, you do, especially
0: as a services business, you have to have that unique point of view, right? I think that's exactly. The, that becomes your differentiator. That becomes the way that you can productize your service I mean, all sorts of things that you can do from there once you've built that.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and most service companies sort of, you know, underestimate how unique they could be and how deep they could be to be honest. Mm-hmm. When you look at the consulting companies, I mean, they just don't tend to think if you look at the, any of the traditional, uh, consulting companies, they're always like, okay, I'm selling SAP, you know, that's it. That's my brand. Uh, I don't have any unique sort of voice. I just wanted to add that. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I mean, and
0: it's interesting you bring up that uh, kind of reseller ecosystem, if you will, because that is where, yeah, they just attach their brand and kind of sort of their future, if you will, to whatever brand, but and then they don't really do anything else with it, right? And that can only get you so far. Like it's the, okay, great, we have the tool, but maybe you can, here's how we think differently about why you use the tool, or here's how we think uh, Think differently about the process for implementing the tool. Here's how we think differently about maybe different use cases that you can have that you maybe didn't think of, how you can get more value I mean, there's all sorts of directions and ways you can take it, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Let's really briefly just talk uh, tool sets in terms of, especially like thinking back when you were uh, starting out and kind of just testing this out on your own both from a, either a tech stack perspective or anything else, I guess, what did you find to be, and what are you maybe still finding to be kind of the critical tools that you use to create the sheer volume of content that you, that you create?
1: Yeah, so for us, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll give you all the list, I guess, you know, whatever we use. So we are big on uh, Audacity for podcast uh, editing. Uh, you know, we started on that and we really like it easy. Um, then Canva is big, obviously. You know, I cannot live without Canva. Um, it's really easy. Um, I don't touch any of the sophisticated design tools. That is all for my creative designers. I don't have time for that. Um, uh, we obviously use uh, Google Docs, but that's probably not really uh, the design, design um, sort of tool. Um, what else are we looking at? We used to use v.io uh, for our audiogram, but we stopped doing that. Um again too much time, not much traction I guess. Um so we don't use that anymore. Um from the hosting perspective, uh, you know, we are sort of particular about where we would like to host So on are on Buzzsprout, uh for our um podcast. Uh what else am I missing here? Uh Premiere Pro for uh video. Um what else did I miss?
0: Um, well, I mean, you already mentioned that you use uh, TikTok as your main record, video recording platform, so that's an interesting one. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, whatever. I don't know if you use, uh, if there are any like, process automations that you've maybe built out that, that you want to share that, that can help from, a again, to produce a high volume of content, you need to have processes and systems, right? So I don't know if there's
1: anything in there that uh, uh, that you want to talk about. So typically, I am sort of the low maintenance kind of a guy, and I'm supposed to be a ERP guy who's supposed to be championing for the processes. But here's what I advise, okay, don't incorporate technology in your workflow, you know, just go MVP with your process. Okay, that's what, uh, you know, for us, you know, we are on Slack. Uh, So Slack is where we collaborate, but we don't have any sort of automation, because you know, you're going to get these you know, bugs and defects and technical issues, and then you're going to be spending time in that. Focus on delivery, okay? Deli- uh, focus your, set your cadence that, okay, you need to get, let's say, two blocks out, one block out per week, and do some real rough outline in terms of planning. Don't invest too much time in planning and thinking, uh, you know? <laughs> so, and that's why, I mean, so we are super lean in the real project management and the tool aspect. We focus more on how can we get, more content, so I don't know if uh, you know you are going to like this. To be honest, but I'm going no, to I love it actually. Anti-
0: <laughs> I even wrote it down. Focus on delivery. I think that's uh, the, again. I, I, I ask about tools because people are curious and things like that. The reality is, I'm I'm of the very very much of the same mindset, especially at the beginning. It's strip it down to the bare bones. Exactly. Figure out the way to integrate it into your existing workflows as much as possible, where you don't have to do mm-hmm. net new stuff you know and then just again like you said do the bare bones and then figure out how to you can always add stuff later right and once you've done whatever you know 50 100 episodes you can start seeing okay well now it looks like we're it looks like we're spending too much time here can i change this process to improve that so i can spend whatever 30 minutes less per episode or something like that then it starts having an impact but doing it right away you just don't know what's going to happen and after 10 episodes let's again using the podcast as an example some of the inefficiencies are going to iron themselves out as you start figuring things out it's not necessarily a process problem even. It just you just don't know the platform yet or you don't know the the, the
1: channel yet you know things like that exactly and uh, honestly speaking i mean uh, you know if you get into the tool argument and again, if you're going to have 50 people, then it's going to be a different story altogether. Um, you, then probably you need different processes. But in our case, we try to be as lean as possible yeah. um, you know, with our processes. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I mean, at some point, you do get tools that you
0: do get uh, yeah. at least attached to, right? You're like, hey, we're particular about where we host. We use Buzzsprout.
1: Like, why, why is that as an example? So for us, uh, are you asking? Yeah. Uh, so but Buzzsprout, you know, in our case, we wanted a hosting platform that is going to be really easy to be able to host on 50 different platforms so that we don't have to invest time um, in that. And, you know, uh, for us, the hosting quality was important as well, because that is going to be important from the Google's perspective, from SEO perspective. Now, I said that I am lean on tools, uh, but I am not going to compromise in not having CRM. I had CRM from day one. Uh, okay, when we started this company, because obviously you want to capture all of those interactions. But what I am not going to do is I'm not going to be too fussy about. Okay, my Google Analytics must integrate with my CRM. It's okay if that is not integrated, especially if you are going to be um, 10, 20 people team. You know, if you are 2,000 people, then again different ball game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, first do stuff, deliver stuff find out what the problems are gonna be in your process and see if you can always improve. Obviously, we are also trying to f- see if there are ways that we can improve, but typically, you know, I'm not gonna be over-automating. That's something yeah. I don't believe in.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting. And I, I think, especially cause you're a software guy, you'll probably appreciate this, right? Like what we'll often see is people start adding in a whole bunch of spot solutions into their stack. It's like, oh, okay, well, we need this for, calendaring and we need this for CRM and we need this thing for what and again some of these are like I'm I'm actually calling out things that we use like we do use Mixmax for example for our calendar thing because it it does make things easier for you know scheduling pre-interviews and and uh, scheduling the interviews themselves and all this kind of stuff but you do that you, you do too many spot solutions all of a sudden you're like oh my god I gotta go here and then I gotta go here and then I gotta go here nothing talks to each other now you've created a whole different set of problems And and now you're spending, like you said, instead of focusing on, that's the part that I other you said, instead of focusing on the quality of the content, now you're focusing on the quality of your automation to make your process exactly,
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: Which is the wrong thing to focus on, especially early on. Yep. Awesome. Well, uh, I mean, we kind of already talked about results, but I don't know if you maybe want to quantify that in any way, shape, or form, even in like percentage-wise, even maybe talk about before and after, like pre-COVID while you were doing more traditional stuff to now where you're doing what most would call, you know, high level demand gen, right? How does, how does the business look? What is, what is the driving? That kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So in terms of numbers, you know, I used to talk and I have appeared on a lot of different podcasts and initially I was like, okay, I was um, zero in terms of domain authority. And within a year, I think I was at like, what, 30-ish. Um, so we are staying there. L- at such domain authority did not change. Um, you know, I was hoping that I will be able to get to like 50-ish. Uh, but overall, if you look at the traffic, especially in last six months, uh, and we are always sort of evaluating which are the channels that are driving the traffic, which are the content pieces that are driving the traffic. Um, so overall, quantitatively, I would say uh, right now, if you look at our traffic, The inbound was nowhere, like literally nowhere. Zero traffic from inbound two years back. And today I would say that is our major channel. Okay, that's our bread and butter now. Um, And I would say we get roughly um, fully qualified opportunities where we have a shot uh, at doing the code, I would say Um, easily Five a week. Uh, and in the ERP space, that's a big deal because some of these opportunities could be like a million dollars.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so now, out of that, I would say 30, 40, 50% is probably inbound, and then rest is everything else. And right now, we don't even have time to go to events, um, you know, just because the inbound takes all the time. So again, we are doing a little compromise there as well. Mm-hmm. That okay, no trade shows so far. Um, you know, let's avoid trade shows because, you know, content is faster um so i don't know if that gives you a little sense about yeah. the the measurement but we really measure in terms of okay are we doing some sort of and you know we get a lot of opportunities to be honest number of opportunities is not a problem okay there are, we have tried some channels where they were sending like 50 leads a week and i'm like okay what do i get out of it <laughs>
0: <laughs> well no the quality ideas. of those, right?
1: <laughs> exactly exactly so for us when we look at the inbound these are super qualified customers they have the project they already know who they are talking to they are coming because they want to talk to sam gupta because sam gupta has already created that brand um, they are listening to podcasts and they are saying they are saying you know what i have been following you on tiktok for the last six months i love your content i want to work with you so now the ball game has changed by the way not just this the whole closing process is different okay the way we now talk it's not really, okay, I am going to be pitching. Now we say, okay, here's the content. Just go and research first. Then come back and talk to me. Okay? So now that's a very different story in that, mm-hmm. you know, eliminates all the competition because you are going to be ranked on probably every single chart. So who can argue with that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that uh, provides any, but yeah, I mean, it has helped uh, all through whether you talk about your inbound traffic, whether you are talking about really trust in the deal, Chances of winning, close rate, everything collectively—you know—this um, has been wonderful for us. Yep. No, I mean, everything you're describing, it's it's the same thing in our business too.
0: I mean, we have a very similar uh, playbook and outlook, if you will, on this. And yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely like night and day in terms of how what you what your conversations are like during the sales process, what yeah. the you know all of that can change because you know me and my team have built up this this presence and we've got this thing where a lot of people that are coming in like you said number one they know they know about us they know about proof point they know about me they, they they've seen our framework out there and all this kind of stuff so they, they already know what they're coming in for and if they don't let's just say it's you know the conversation is still like hey here's a here's all our stuff like take a look is this even for you like you know everything is public our pricing's public all this kind of stuff right it's and it just have it makes those conversations so much easier because then you can just focus yeah. on them right you're focused on what is your problem and then that's it like I don't have to I'm not even selling like you said not really yeah yeah awesome well Sam this is this this was great I mean you shared a a lot of really uh things. I think, again, the fact that your background is different, uh, I think is really uh, interesting and I would say maybe even inspiring if we can use that word in terms of like the things that people can do um, when it comes to this. So thank you for that. Uh, do you have a few, a few minutes for a quick lightning round? Sure. Yeah. All right. To- so uh, let's kick that off. What is the main KPI you
1: use to evaluate
0: marketing success?
1: Uh, for me, this is going to be leads per week or the opportunities per week.
0: Okay. You're doing a lot of stuff. You're testing a lot of things. What's the thing you're looking most forward to
1: testing out, uh, this coming quarter, or this coming year. Combining physical presence with social presence. That is something we have not done, but show with, um, social media marketing.
0: Awesome. Love that. Uh, What is a marketing best practice
1: that you think needs to go by the wayside? Putting boilerplate content on creating boilerplate content that does not add any value to anybody's life.
0: Uh, What is your least favorite business word or phrase?
1: That's a very interesting question. Um, (laughs) um, Anything least favorite for me is going to be that is sort of the de facto standard in marketing or the sales world that this is how things are going to be done and you are not even thinking about the context Um, and you you are sort of trying to generalize that uh, yeah, I think that's probably a turn off for me,
0: uh, favorite business or marketing book.
1: I like the, um, uh, and I'm probably gonna not remember the exact name, I think predictive selling or predictive, um, uh, uh, the guy who was the Salesforce first guy who actually did the whole demand and thing, um, um. Ross, I believe the, um, uh, predictable space. pipeline or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, that, yeah, uh, I, that's how I learned my outbound, to be honest. Okay. The way he had done and obviously that's very relatable to our business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I don't have the exact name. Probably you can link it up. Yeah, we'll find it. Our, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. No problem. Um,
0: what is your favorite either song, music genre, or playlist to listen
1: to while you're at work? Don't stop the music, uh, you know, that's always cheers me up for some reason. I don't know why, uh, nice. you know, I'm not necessarily Rihanna's fan. But yeah, that's that just, um, yeah, nice. That's a nice, It's a nice,
0: like, upbeat one. I like that. Yeah. Um, what is something about you that people
1: couldn't find out via your LinkedIn profile? What is something about me? I think personal life, I would say, you know, I am supposed to be more of the shy person. Um, so yeah, it's very rare that you will find any sort of personal content, uh, about me and I like to keep it that way, I guess. All right.
0: Perfect. Well, like I said, Sam, thank you. Thanks for humoring the lightning round and thank you for, for an awesome conversation and everybody else, we will see you next week. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Master Marketer Show. We'll be back next week with more B2B marketing success stories. Visit our website, www.proofpoint.marketing, for the full episode library, complete with show notes, guides, templates, and more. Make sure to follow Proofpoint Marketing on LinkedIn and YouTube so you never miss an episode. Listen every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.